Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning and welcome to First Nazarene. We are excited that you have joined us uh, for our church services today. Thank you for being here, uh, especially if you are new to our church. Thank you for choosing uh, to come and join us today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Galen and I'm the pastor here. And I would love to meet you uh, after a service. Shake your hand, uh, get to know your name and a little bit more of your stories. Thank you uh, for being a part of our services today. Uh, Thanksgiving was just, what, three days ago? And here you walk in, snow on the ground, Christmas trees up, and Christmas ready to go. I, I, I just want to ask all of you, you know, how, how was your Thanksgiving? So here's what we're going to do. Uh, this, is, this is good, this is eh, and this is not so good. I'm not going to ask you about your family and how those interactions went, okay? So let's just do the food. Did you enjoy your Thanksgiving food this year? What do we got? What's the, oh yes, we are happy and full today. Look at that. I hope you enjoyed uh, Thanksgiving, and then today, taking that turn to begin to think about Christmas, obviously with the decorations and thinking of that time of year. And maybe some of you experienced this in Thanksgiving, but I want to begin today by asking you, specifically about your Christmas gatherings, have you ever experienced an unexpected Christmas? Maybe it was a moment or something happened, and it was completely unexpected. Maybe somebody brought somebody home that no one was expecting. Oh my, that person's here. Now what do we do? Maybe you were cooking the meal and something went terribly wrong and you ate pizza on Christmas instead and it was unexpected. Uh, have you ever had an unexpected Christmas? There's a few famous unexpected Christmases that we all know. Uh, maybe the first happening with the McAllister family uh, when they somehow got on a plane to Paris without realizing that their eight-year-old was with them. Some of you parents of eight-year-olds, sometimes I question if you would intentionally, like, yeah, just take three days. I need three days. No, of course they didn't, but they somehow left Kevin home alone for three days while these questionable, strange men tried to, kept trying to rob the house and couldn't do it from an eight-year-old. Of course, we all know the story, Home Alone, an unexpected Christmas for Kevin, for sure. Or maybe uh, I think of Walter Hobbs, who had a very unexpected Christmas, a grown man, elf child. Will Farrell shows up and says, hi, my name is Buddy, and I'm your son. A very unexpected Christmas for the Hobbs family as Buddy the Elf comes home, and Christmas would never be uh, the same again. Maybe you haven't had a Christmas like that, but have you had an unexpected kind of Christmas? Because here's what's interesting. We all have our own expectations of Christmas, don't we? Uh, we have thoughts. We have opinions about, well, where should Christmas be celebrated? Oh, we celebrate at their house every year. Um, what should we eat? Uh, this is what we eat, our family, for Christmas. Um, should we get gifts for everyone? If so, how much do we spend on those gifts? When do we open those gifts? Do you do one on Christmas Eve? Is there anybody that does one on Christmas Eve, by the way? Is that just my family? I thought everybody did that. Nobody? Okay, okay. A few of you, very, very few of you. When do you open those gifts? We have expectations. We have traditions. 
Now, what's interesting is what happens when our traditions do become expectations. And then what happens when those expectations fail and things don't go as planned? Do we still celebrate Christmas in the same way? This year, when I was reading the Christmas story and preparing for December, this time of year where we celebrate Christmas, it was not lost on me that we read the same history, the same story every year. And oh, yes, we know. We know the people. We know the events. But this year, trying to read it with fresh eyes to see, this is a completely unexpected. The people that are involved in this story, the plot twists and turns. This is not how things should have gone. And it leads to this crazy winding story, yet in the midst of what we'll find of chaos and not the way that we intended God to work, we find even in that place, God's, the things, the candles that we light, the things that we celebrate, hope and peace, and joy, and love, and God's life enters into this crazy story. This December, what I want us to find together as a church is we revisit this history, this Christmas story, one more time in the midst of our own crazy lives, a life that we didn't expect. I didn't know how I got here. We can find God's hope, and peace, and joy, and love, and life even in our lives today, and I hope you experience God in that way, even today, beginning with hope. Let me ask it this way, I guess. Um, can you think back, for some of you not so long, for some of you a very long time ago, think back to eighth grade. Can you picture your eighth grade self? Some of you are like, I didn't want to go back there, Galen, but here we are, yes. Can you picture your eighth grade self? What hopes and dreams did you have as an eighth grader? When you pictured the rest of your life, what did you have in mind? What did you want to do for a career? Who did you want to be? What things did you want to experience? Where did you want to live? What were your dreams? Now, some of you, if you fast forward to reality, and then you look at the life that we currently live, is life what you expected it to be? What do you do when life isn't really what you want? I think all of us live unexpected lives. In some sense, life has turned out, and I, th I think both of these things are true for all of us. In some senses, life has turned out to be way better than we could have ever imagined. When you look at your family, maybe, or the community of friends that you find yourself in, when you look at all of the good things God has blessed you, whether it's your company or your work or your finances, God, I never even dreamed I would be in this place. A good, unexpected difference that you never anticipated. And at the same time, I think each one of us can also look at our lives and see things that we never expected that have been maybe not what we would have wanted. Maybe at this point in our life, we would have dreamed that we would have a family or have more family. Maybe we dream or expected to have more financial freedom. Maybe those around us has caused us more pain and hurt than we ever thought we'd have at this point. Maybe circumstances like an unexpected job change or loss or unexpected sickness or unexpected death has interrupted our lives and changed our perspective. I never thought I would be here. So how do we respond to the unexpectedness in our life? Today, I would say this. I want to tell you, no matter if life has given you more than you've ever dreamed or more than you think you can handle, today we can find good news that God is the God of hope to change our futures. First on the positive side, I want to look at Mary's journey found in Luke chapter 1. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now many of you may be growing up, when you think of Mary, you think of Mary in this iconic kind of picture where she's almost depicted as an angel or a deity, but I want you to envision Mary as she was, 
a small Jewish girl, maybe around 13 years old, maybe around eighth grade. What pictures and dreams and hopes did Mary have for her life? Growing up in a family, now she's engaged to be married, which would have been about the normal time for the custom of the day, where she'd be married and maybe envisioning a family in a future, honestly, like so many other girls her age, live her life, raise her family, pass away, and we would never know their names. What dreams did she have for her life? In the midst of what she maybe thought she planned for her life, an angel appears to her. Luke chapter one, it reads this way. Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, because if you saw an angel, you'd be a little confused and disturbed too. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Here in this moment, we find Mary, who may be picturing one plan for her life, suddenly finds out her life will be full of unexpected blessing that she never would have asked or imagined or even dreamed about. She will be called blessed and generations will remember her forever. Her life will be way more than she ever thought it would be. In our own lives, we don't get visits from angels often. If you do, we should talk about that probably. And she counters this angel and says, man, here's all the amazing things that are going to happen. This is what we want from God, isn't it? God, show up and tell me all the blessings and the good things that are going to happen in my life. Even if they're full, like Mary, of challenge and difficulty and heartache, I still want to know those blessings. Most of us don't experience the same thing Mary did. In fact, we experience those blessings as we live life. But I want to ask, do we even pause and recognize when God gives us more than we could have ever asked or imagined or dreamed? Do we tell him thank you? Do we realize that he has blessed us in unexpected ways? Do we recognize our blessings? And if so, if we do, how should we respond? How did Mary respond? You know what she did? She broke out and sang a song. All right, so here's what we're going to do, church. Everybody pause right here. Just one by one, I want you to stand up where you're at, and I just want you to sing a song. Impromptu, a cappella on the spot. Make it up as you go. Let's hear your song today. Could you imagine? Should we do that? No, we shouldn't do that. Some of you are getting nervous already. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Um, I thought I saw somebody stand up right there and I had a heart attack. Whoo! Please be seated. Thank you. Wonderful. She sings a song to say, God, thank you for all that you've done. It reads this way in Luke 1. Uh, it says this. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lovely servant, lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. Church, can you say that in your life? Can you look back and see the faithfulness of God and how he has loved you and provided for you? Can you say that last line? And he has done great things for me. Not only can you say that today, but do you actually regularly say that? One of the most repeated warnings in Scripture says, watch out. When you get a little bit of money, 
which when you think of the context of the world in America and where we fall today, when you get comfortable, when, you don't, when you're no longer daily wondering about what am I gonna eat, what am I gonna wear, when you have a routine in your life and you're busy and distracted by all these many things, when you get a little comfortable, watch out and make sure that you do not forget God. For he has given you everything you have. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. Do we pause and say thank you and recognize? Yes, last week's message on gratitude and giving thanks, but it's not just one Sunday. It's not just a turkey day on Thursday. It's every day. God, thank you for what you have done for me. In our unexpected blessings, have we thanked God or failed to recognize him? We need to say thank you to him. Mary, given more than she could ever dreamed, but she's not the only one that this decision impacts, is it? Like I said, she's engaged to be married. What about Joseph? We go over to Matthew chapter one and read it there starting in verse 18. But before the marriage took place, while Mary was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. We'll pause here just for a second. We read this every year and we just go on. What's really interesting to me, first of all, picture you're Joseph. Mary comes to you. First of all, it'd be even more, <laughs> it'd be even more confusing, not just, hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant, but if it was, hey, Joseph, I'm going to become pregnant. Excuse me, what? Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Um, our life's gonna change. Wouldn't it be like Joseph to be like, I didn't sign up for this. We're engaged, we're planning the wedding, we're thinking about our life. Mary, what is this? What did you do, would be my question. How did we get here? What's interesting from this story, and based on the Jewish law, if you go back to the book of Deuteronomy and you're reading the law, a man, if he finds out this, this woman he's been engaged to has been unfaithful to him, can make an accusation in front of the city and say, look, she's pregnant, she's been unfaithful, it wasn't me. Do you know what would happen by law? The whole town would come out one by one and grab a stone and throw them until the mother dies. And it was to prevent unfaithfulness for people should be faithful in their relationships and in their marriages. Do you realize that Joseph had every right, this, in his mind, maybe if you would say it this way, an unwanted pregnancy, he could literally do away with it. And he's considering, do I stay in this relationship? Do I not? All the while, it goes on. While he's considering this, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What she said was true. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. Joseph on the edge of marriage. Joseph dreaming of his wedding day. I mean, Let's humanize Joseph a little bit. For those of you that are married, do you remember the season of engagement? Oh, you asked her and she said yes, and thank God she said yes, and woo, it's gonna be great, we're gonna get married, and I mean, we always make the engagement season sound super fun. Isn't it like stressful though? Like, oh my goodness, so many plans, and who's invited, and who's not invited? How do we, with the meal, and who's paying for all this? Planning his wedding, planning his life. In some sense, I have to envision him, Mary and me, we're gonna start this family, and here's what it's gonna be. And because God did something in her life, it now comes to him that his life will never be what he thought it was going to be. The public disgrace, the questioning, judging glances. Oh, Joseph, you're still gonna marry her after what she did? All of this changes 
Joseph has a decision to make. Even through fighting was probably his own personal doubt and the life that was not what they drew up. How would he respond? And then I would ask us the question today. When life isn't what you want, how do you respond? Maybe if you're, you know, how did I get this old this fast? I thought I had 20 years left before I got to this point, but man, my back hurts and my knees hurt, and I had so much longer to prepare for this, and now I'm in this moment. How did I get here? This was not what I pictured. Or maybe even if it's not just life-scale big things, what about the small things? What do you do when you don't get what you want? When the boss tells you no, how do you respond? When your spouse did something and now you can't do what you want, how do you respond? Some of us still act like the five-year-old under the Christmas tree who opened a gift that he didn't want and throws a tantrum. We're so quick to blame, aren't we? We're very good at it. Oh, if that person wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't be in this way, and you did this. We accuse, we blame. This is your fault. Maybe if we're a little more aggressive, we blame. Or if you're not so aggressive, you're more passive-aggressive, maybe it's not blaming, but you end up wallowing in your bitterness. I'm not really going to bring it up, but well, since you brought it up, honestly, because you did that, now here we are today. Look what you did. I know, and if they wouldn't have made that decision, we wouldn't be here, but here we are. That bitterness will take root in your soul, callous your heart until you become hard-hearted. And if you're blaming or living in bitterness, do you know what that does to the people close to you? It turns them away from you and causes distance between you. They don't want to be around you. If you're accusing them or bitter all the time, is this what we want? How do we respond? Maybe if you're not aggressive or passive-aggressive, maybe and more prevalent in our society today, we try to escape more than anything else. So we turn to a substance or a screen. We try to forget. I don't really want to face the reality that my life isn't what it is, so I will just self-medicate or cope or numb myself with whatever this is so I don't have to think about what is real. Yet you wake up the next day and it's still there. How do we respond when life isn't what we wanted? How did Joseph respond in this story? What did he do? God, I don't, this isn't what I signed up for. This, I didn't even do this. This is not even... But yet you're calling me to do this next right thing. God, you're calling me to take her home, to be my wife, and to live in loving, faithful relationship with her. When we're faced with, I don't know how I got here, maybe our response is simply to do the next right thing that God is calling us to do and not ignore it, but step out in courage and do it. For Joseph, when he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary to be his wife. Sometimes we need to wake up to the reality that life is what it is. To stop picturing, well, I wish life would have been this way. I wish it could be this way now. And simply to accept what it is today. Not assigning blame to others or even ourselves. Not running or trying to escape. To recognize some of this is my fault and some of this is not my fault. Ultimately, the picture and the, the, picture and the posture is God here it is. It's not what I would have wanted, not what, what I have dreamed, but here I am today. This is not where I thought I would be. This is not where I thought my family would be. This is not how I thought things would happen. Here's the mess. Whether it's the situation, whether it's frankly just me, God, here's the mess. Now, if you are the God of hope, the God who takes dead people and brings them to life, the God who takes one person's story that was headed down this path and instead rewrites their story in a whole new way, 
If you are the God who can change things, the God of hope, here I am. I don't know what the future holds. Think of Joseph. Did he have any idea what he was stepping into? Raising Jesus. I don't know what the future holds, but here it is. God, you can have me, all of me. Help me to do the next right thing, one after another after another, to live as you would want me to live. And my hope is in you, that you can change me, that you can change the situation, that there is still hope on the horizon. For me, all of this boils down to trust. God, I trust you. And because we trust him, this is the God we serve, the God of hope. If you ask me, what are the central things of the Christian faith? Number one, almost everyone would say forgiveness. Jesus came to live a perfect life that we couldn't live, to provide for us what we could not do for ourselves, to die for our sin on the cross so that we may find forgiveness and life in God and eternal life with him forever. Forgiveness is at the core, but right next to it for me is hope. The reason why the Christian faith is so attractive versus any other faith, there is hope, not just for an eternal life one day, hope for today. Do you want you, you to be different? Your family to be different? Situation to change? Hope is at the cornerstone of our faith. And it's not the hope that we often talk about. We say hope flippantly, wishful thinking, whimsical. Man, I hope my kids sleep in tomorrow. Is that the kind of hope we're talking about? I hope that at Christmas they remember to cook that one thing that I really, really love. I hope my team wins. Some of you know I'm a big Chiefs fan. I hope that our wide receiver doesn't drop the ball on the one-yard line so we might actually win the game. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope, for the women, I hope he's getting all my hints about what I really want for Christmas. Ladies, he's not. That's not how his brain works. Tell him what you want. That's how you get what you want. It's not a whimsical hope. Do we view God in the same way? I hope God is good. I hope he's there for me. I hope he's able to change. Is it a whimsical, I wish? A biblical view of hope in Jesus. Hebrews says it is a steadfast anchor for our souls. It is more sure, it is more steadfast. You can count on it. It is more stable and more secure. This hope in Jesus. Jesus comes, he lives this perfect life, he dies for our sins, he is raised to new life, and he says, I will come one day and make all things new and all things right. I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There'll be no more crying, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death, and behold, I am making all things new. Revelation. I will come, and it will happen. This is sure. I have hope. And this is why Matthew 12, 21 says, in his name, Jesus, will be the hope of all the world. Because of him, he's the only thing that we can, in a world that is dark, a world where we can't see a way forward, thinking globally, thinking in our country, thinking in our homes, gosh, is there even a brighter day? He is the only place where we find a hope that is sure. That's why Romans 5, 5 says, and this hope in Jesus will not lead to disappointment. How many times have I put my hope in that get-rich-quick scheme, put my hope in that person that would complete me to be disappointed. I put my hope in to be failed. But this hope does not lead to disappointment. For Jesus' promises are sure. Hope that I don't always have to be the person that I have been. That I will not grow old having the same struggles that I had when I was young. Jesus can change me in the here and now and I can be a different person. Hope. Hope that God knows what I need even before I ask so he can provide for me even now. 
hope. Hope that those I love who have a hard heart towards God, they don't care anything about him, they are lost in their addiction and in their shame, they are far from him, hope that God could even turn their hearts. They might find new life and freedom and be found in Jesus. Hope that when others have wronged me and hurt me, God can use the worst of my experiences to bring about his redemption, to write a new story that shows his mercy and grace and forgiveness Hope that my trauma isn't the end of my story because he can do something new in me. Hope that one day this world will change. There'll be no more tyrants, no more crossfires, no more hostages, and peace will reign. Hope that one day we will be healed. Hope that one day widows and orphans will be cared for even now and become family once again. Hope that peace isn't just an idea. For Jesus will come, King of kings, and all nations will look to him coming, and he will reign with mercy and peace and justice, and we will see how life is supposed to be lived. Ultimately, the largest hope, that sickness, disease, cancer, and not even death will win. Hope that life wins in the end. For beyond the manger is the miracles. Beyond the life of Jesus is the cross, forgiveness, Beyond the cross is the grave. Yes, death is there. But beyond the grave is life. When you think of your hope, do you have an eternal perspective or only right now? So oftentimes we want God to change things right now, and often he is graceful, and he does. But yet our hope isn't limited to just this life. Do you see that not even sickness and disease that leads to death can steal your hope? For our hope is not in a great life now. Our hope is in the resurrection and that we will be made alive with him once again. We have hope that God will make all things right and he will. So, hope. We are confident in what we do not yet see, but we will. We have hope, so we choose to trust, even when we can't clearly see how it will play out. Hope. Jesus coming in the manger is the physical, tangible, embodied presence of hope. God does not leave us on our own, far away, sitting up in heaven because he does not care. He comes because I've come to be hope for you. And in this day and age, he sends the Holy Spirit who is present and among us today. Do you need hope? He is here. Put your trust in him. He is a present hope now and the coming hope that will come in the future. So today, no matter who you are, church, your whole life, you stumbled in from last night. If you find yourself alone, if you find yourself addicted, if you find yourself enslaved to following the whims of your desires, if you find yourself hurt, used, broken, with no hopeful view of your future, today, if you would think of yourself as unwanted, unloved, unchangeable, unsavable, and unlikely that anything good will come from your life, can I tell you, there is a God who is good, who made you, who loved you, who has not given up on you yet. Could you come back to him and find the one whom your soul is already searching for, the one who provides hope for today and for tomorrow? In Jesus, in the Holy Spirit today, you need to know that you can be saved. Jesus can save you. You can change. It's not just you, but the Holy Spirit living inside of you can change you. Jesus is the proof. Why would God come and do all this? Unless you are wanted, you are loved, and you are worth it. God loves you. God is present, and he is our hope today.
So what do we do? For us all, church, Hebrews 10, let us hold on tightly. Let us hold tightly to the hope that we affirm without wavering. For God can be trusted. Do you hear that? To keep his promises. Hold on. How many of you this morning, coming off of Thanksgiving, looking at your family, how many of you facing the diagnosis, how many of you struggling with the darkness ahead of you right now, can I tell you today, if you can't do anything else, hold on. Jesus, I don't know how, but I'm holding on to you. I will not waver, because I know you can be trusted. You do what is good, and you love me. I will hold on. If you're looking for language this week, you need to read Psalm 42. It's only 11 verses. It will give you the words to speak. The last verse I'll share with us today. Sometimes we need to speak to ourselves. It says this, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. He is my savior and my God. Some of you know why your heart is discouraged. You know today why you are sad. But could you speak to yourself, wait a minute, why am I feeling all these things? Do I not know the God of hope who resurrects dead things and makes new things and brings life out of death? Why am I discouraged? Why am I sad? I will say to myself, no, God, I put my hope and trust in you. You are the one who saves and you are God. My hope is in you. Or like the words of that good old hymn says, God, you give me strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. So church, here's my encouragement to you. Romans 12, rejoice. No matter what you're facing, why? Because you have confident hope. Rejoice in our confident hope together. Be patient in trouble. Know that what you're facing today, this too will pass. So be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Don't let what you're going through drive you away from God. Keep on praying and asking. Rejoice in confident hope. Patient in trouble. Keep on praying. Today, no matter if life has given you more than you ever dreamed or it didn't turn out how you thought, turn to the God of hope who's rewriting our futures. Turn to him and trust him and say, God, I am yours. Today, in response, thank God for what he's given you. Choose to trust him even when you don't understand and hold on. Hold on to hope that God's purposes will bring about good. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, today, we approach you, the God of living hope. Jesus, when we're reminded even of your life, coming in an unexpected way to unexpecting people, Yet through your life, death, and resurrection, you show us there's so much more than the current moment that we're in right now. Even if the moment we are in leads to discouragement, sadness, or even death, let us hold on to that we have a grander hope and a grander future. The hope that you are good, and that you can rewrite stories, you can redeem what has been lost and hurt and broken, make it new and make it better than even once was, that you can tell your story through our stories. God, help us to hold on to hope today. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself as the God of hope because you're answering prayers, that our people, the church is praying that you would answer them and we would see, oh my God, you were so good. You're changing my life, you're changing my family, you're changing the circumstance. You provide hope for today. 
And even when we don't receive the answers to those prayers, help us to hold on to the future hope that we have, that one day you will come again and make all things new and all things right. In the midst of the dark, we hold on to hope today. Jesus, we look to you, we trust you, we place our lives and our mess at your feet and say, we need help and provide hope. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.